0: Hello everyone, welcome back to my podcast. I have never looked forward to a podcast more than I am today. This one has been in the works since the birth of this podcast. Today we're going to talk a little bit about what went on in Texas the past weekend, and then we're gonna dive right into Survivor Talk, which is my new favorite TV show of all time. In the background here, we have the Survivor theme songs. It's a minute long, and there's a video I found on YouTube of all the first 21 seasons, so we'll hear a different version of the theme song. Because they change them in, in accordance to the location that they go to in the show. So you'll hear a different tune for each one. Hopefully, it's not too loud in the background. I did adjust it a little bit. I'm working on my audio skills on Audacity. So putting them to the test here. <clears throat> so let's start with what happened in Texas this past weekend uh, snowstorms starting, I believe, Sunday and then finally melting on Wednesday reached one degree at one point. It's really, really cold. A lot of Texans were without power, without water. Um, me, my girlfriend and my dogs were without water for about three days. So we had, we were kind of put to the tests water-wise. We had to go to Sam's Club to get a ton of bottles of water and we kind of just had to manage the week like that. Luckily we did have power and we were very grateful that we did have power because Like I mentioned, a lot of Texans did not have power for three or four days. So we were grateful of that. I wanted to highlight a couple things that happened over the weekend. Um, the first thing is when we went to Sam's club, I, it's funny to just observe people to see how they react to a situation of panic, like. For example, the start of COVID, everybody was buying toilet paper, and now everybody's buying water bottles. And going to Sam's Club, especially where everything's in bulk, it was funny to see just what, the, what people prioritize as their survival um, items. Like my girlfriend and I went to Sam's Club. We bought two things. We bought eggs and we bought water bottles. That's it. We saw people with bulk, cheese balls, pillowcases, (laughs) we saw 500 gallons of water in in a basket, just absurd, absurd things people think that they have to go through in a time like this, and the funny thing is we all have iPhones, we can all see the weather like next week, and we all knew that it would get to above freezing in no time and a couple days after the storms it got to like 70 degrees everything was fine so we're all back to normal now but so glad we got 50 gallons of water right in our in our fridge we gotta deal with that it's just it's just funny um but the main event of our snowmageddon 2021 texas took place on thursday so to, to set this up, remember we haven't had water the past few days, so our toilets weren't weren't able to flush unless we put water in there ourselves. We have two bathrooms in our apartment. We designated the master bathroom for pee and the extra bathroom for number twos. So I like to drink coffee in the mornings and everybody knows by just the scent of coffee you have to go to the bathroom. So after about four coffee blast poops by by yours truly, over time, I quickly realized that I did make a mistake. So our our Thursday project, which I initiated, was to collect snow outside in pots and pans and melt them on the stove to pour in the tank of the toilet. After about five rounds of collecting and melting, we had enough water to flush, took about an hour to fill up the tank, so we had to make this one flush count. So we're both in there, all masked up, gloved up. I hold the knob down for three seconds, away we go. The water swirling, as it should, things are looking up. We did it. But wait. The water is rising. And rapidly. It stops at the brim of the toilet. I kid you not, it is sea level with the toilet. And this is not clear water, folks. This is poop water with little corn and blueberries floating around with little turd nuggets. So the entire apartment smells like poop at this point. It smells like a turd was just placed on the kitchen counter. So with, with my mask and gloves still on, I reluctantly grab the plunger. It's time to get to work. So I plunge about 20 to 30 times and it moves all but a centimeter. I made zero progress. Every plunge splashes poop water all over the toilet and the floor. This is chaos. So I take a brief rest because, you know, sometimes when you have to plunge a toilet, it will go down. On its own over time after plunging a few times uh, so it kind of just lowers by itself but during the break my girlfriend decided she had enough smelled way too bad in the whole entire apartment and I got the sense that our relationship was in jeopardy <laughs> so she grabs a plunger and plunges three times it goes down immediate flush of course I was a little envious you know because I wanted to finish what I started and I thought it was a good project in the beginning because it needed to be done but I was grateful that she was, she was willing to put her life on the line for my poop in the toilet. And we, we got it done ultimately. So I, I did my part and I, I cleaned the toilet and the floor. So, <laughs> oh man. So that was our, our main event during Snowmageddon 2021. And during this whole experience, we have been watching the show Survivor. Now, this sparked when we were all in Oklahoma with my family and my two brothers noticed that Netflix put two seasons of survivor seasons 20 and 28 on their network. So they watched about six episodes in the cabin together and my girlfriend joined them and seemed to be hooked right away and just being the stubborn person that I am, it's hard for me to get hooked to a new show. I'm a, I'm a tough critic of, to new shows because I believe the shows that I love set a very high bar for my taste. My fa- my favorite shows, just to name a few off the top of my head, Impractical Jokers, which is my probably number one, maybe tied for one, uh, Breaking Bad, Game of Thrones, and at the time I was in love with Fargo, and I had just finished season three. So those, those are all great shows. I'm sure most of you have seen those. Um, so I, I set a high bar for the kind of entertainment. I inhale, you know? So there was a TV and a hot tub on the patio of the cabin. It was a nice cabin in Oklahoma. Um, so JJ and Connor and Morgan, my JJ younger brother, Connor older brother, Morgan girlfriend, they're all posted out there just locked into one of the, one of the late episodes of season 28. And I had just finished season three of Fargo inside the cabin. So I give in and I joined them cause I wanted to hang out with them. I wanted to sit in the hot tub. And 30 minutes go by and I am hooked. I was in. Unique challenges, immunity idols, lies and manipulation, a $1 million cash prize, and Jeff Probst. Inject it all into my veins. I fell in love with this show. And I felt this was a perfect segue to kind of go from Snowmageddon 2021, What we went through, we had a few, you know, we had to do some survival things you know we didn't have water so we had to make do with what we had um, so I felt that it was a perfect time to bring up Survivor so here we go let's get into it I'm gonna give i mm, I'm gonna give an in-depth description of how the show works bear with me I really really gonna go into it here if you haven't seen the show listen along if you have then you can skip forward if you want, but <laughs> I did the best I could to, to describe it. So 16 contestants are marooned on an island for 39 days in a new location each season. Some of the locations, Africa, Australia, the Amazon, another one they did in Marquesas Islands in France, and that's just to name a few. They do a different one every season. Um, so in the beginning... Tribes are split up 8 v 8, and each team is given their specific colored buff and a tribe name. They are sent to different locations on the island, sometimes they have their own island, and they are given limited supplies and food, and must create their own shelter and society in that location. Every three days, one tribe is sent to Tribal Council, where you are held accountable for your actions, a vote by each tribe member, pen to paper, is cast. To vote a tribe member off the tribe. During the course of the three day period, day one, there's usually nothing the tribes have to do, but on day two, the tribes have to take part in a reward challenge, and then on day three, they take part in an immunity challenge. Rewards can range anything from spices for food, waterproof matches, fishing nets, a huge feast, mini vacation for the evening, or similar. They get really creative with the rewards. The immunity challenges are the most important aspect of the game. If your tribe wins immunity, you are exempt from tribal council, and the losing tribe has to vote someone out that night. When the number of survivors left gets to around 8 to 11 11 people left, a merge happens. The merge means both of the tribes come together as one and live at the same camp. From here on out, war challenges and immunity challenges are now individual challenges and all remaining survivors attend tribal council to vote someone out every three days so all the members have to go to tribal if a survivor finishes third to ninth place i believe they're placed on the jury the jury is where each of those seven get to attend every tribal council as they're voted out and hear what goes on within the tribe when survivors get down to the final two the last tribal council consists of each member getting to either ask a question or make a statement to the final two survivors. So each of the jury members get up one by one and they ask ask a question or they make a statement. And then the the final two have to address that statement or question to try and, you know, plead their case why they should win the million. After every jury member and final two says their piece, the jury then approaches the voting hut where they vote for who they want to win uh, opposed to past tribal councils where they vote who they want to get rid of. So whoever gets their name on pen to paper the most wins. The runner-up receives $100,000 and the sole survivor wins a million. So I hope that was a good description for you. Now that we're all set up and everything, let's dissect it a little bit. I want to cover as much as I can. Um, let's, let's start at the very beginning, why don't we? So... At the beginning of each season, uh, survivors are split up into their tribes and cast out to their separate shelters. This is this is a really good time to make a good first impression on your tribe members. You know, I've I've found the best way to make a respectable first impression is to contribute to either building the shelter or hunting for food, and not being annoying to the tribe, which is very very important. If you're too, you know, drill sergeanty or About things or you simply just talk too much and you're just annoying everybody, a target is immediately placed on your back because these people don't want to live with you. So usually we notice the formula, usually the first and second survivors to get voted off are either really annoying or pretty useless in the challenges. And one thing with me is I noticed that the players usually take about two weeks to get assimilated to the game. So I don't really get accustomed to the survivors until about four or five people are voted off until they're there for about 15 days. And everybody's kind of used to where they're living and they have a rhythm going and they're not all arrogant and annoying because they miss their old life and all that good stuff. So the tricky thing about your tribe in the beginning is you have to factor in two things, your tribes game and your individual game to, to help build morale and win immunity challenges. The ultimate goal is to have more tribe members than the other tribe going into the merge. So you can theoretically pick off the other tribe to further your individual game. Now, let's say say your tribe loses an immunity challenge. It's up to you to determine your position within the tribe. You need to form an alliance with other tribe members so you can have the upper hand on voting someone out. Outside of winning immunity, your alliance is the biggest asset you have to win the show. And it's all about having more numbers than the other side to just further your game bit by bit. So this is where the kind of the drama and the backstabbing and the manipulation comes into play. And one of the things that kind of attracted me to the game because I thought it was really cool because it's unpredictable. If a player feels they are vulnerable and outnumbered, they will try to lobby survivors from the stronger alliance to potentially swing that vote. So to give an idea of what this sounds like, I have a bit of audio for you. This is from the season we just watched. It's season six. We just finished season six. This is from episode 11. This doesn't give away too many spoilers, but it's a great example of lobbying to further your game. And at this point in the game of season 11 or season six, there's seven people left and a guy named Rob wins immunity. So there's a clear three versus three alliance within the tribe and Rob, since he won immunity, he's kind of the swing boat. Uh, Rob was originally not part of who you'll meet in this bit of audio, Matt, Matt's alliance. But after hearing another guy, Alex, from his original alliance, from Rob's original alliance, will vote him out in the final four. Once they get there, Rob talks to Matt and tries to lobby his vote that way. So here is that bit of audio. this is the most
1: important conversation that I'm gonna have with you in this entire game. Rob and I had perhaps the most important conversation of the game, he sat me down Matthew, I'm going to lay out what has happened over the past couple of weeks. First, I need to come clean with you. Okay. Once we got to Jacare, I had been telling you that the men were going to stick together after we got rid of Roger and Dave, but that wasn't true, right? I'm telling you this because I know that you trust me, and I don't want to tell you any more wise. Sure, okay. I swear that this is the honest truth. He said that there have been a lot of uh, times when I've been in danger, and the people that I thought were on my side were actually plotting against me. And on several occasions, he was included and was stringing me along. Did you, and, uh, the only person I really trust in this game, and butch now because well, he has no options? Yes. That's going to change. Rob can be very underhanded, but I appreciated his honesty, and I appreciated what he had to say next. Alex is the power player here. He thinks that you're the only person that can beat him. This is a competition and that's why he wants you to go. And Alex told me yesterday that when we get to four, he's gonna vote against me. He said that to you? Yes. This is what happens when people start being arrogant. It's hubris. I was appalled at their audacity that they would go so far as to say that, that Alex, Jenna, Heidi, and Rob had wrapped it all up. And that it was merely a question of which one of the four would win a million dollars you, Butch Christie, who out Alex tomorrow. That's what I was thinking. If Alex wins immunity, I don't know what we're going to do. Well, dude, I'll give you my word. I'll give you my word on my I'll give my only word I'm ever going to give in this game. And I, I appreciate what you said. I will not betray you. And you know what? If it falls through, then I'm out, but you're it. So... Well, we're, well, we're both after this okay. falls through. I do have a lot of survival skills, but I am very ignorant when it comes to the game and how it's played. Robin, zero survival skills. But, knows the game inside and out. I can get Christy, no problem. She hates the two girls. I think she hates Alex. I am very aware of the arrogance of my alliance. And I think that it's going to help me here. And I don't think it's going to be very difficult to sway the opinions of the three people that are in this alliance.
0: That bit of audio was perfect. And you could see how he tried to kind of talk Matt into, hey, I'm going to vote on your side because I want to further my game because Alex said he was going to vote me out, which is I think was a great move. And Rob is a great player. They they highlighted it a lot. They said that he was the best player to not win the game. So when Rob talks, you listen. So he made, he made a lot of great points in swinging over to Matt's side. And that bit of audio is... The whole game of survivor that's what it's all about it's all about the votes it's all about furthering your game and trying to get as far as you can and you may have to <coughs> excuse me stab people in the back at some point and sometimes you have to do these things to get further and you can see how kind of the when it gets down to the final two and if you make it how the jury when they ask you your questions or make those statements they can really come after you And so it's tough to cast a vote for who they want to win the million because they did a lot of lying and manipulating and backstabbing. So it turned out after this one, I won't spoil a whole lot, but Rob ultimately told the truth to Matt and he did vote Alex out. And Alex was a really strong player, so I think that was a great move. But the next day this did cause a ton of drama within the tribe, but they eventually got over it. So Rob made a great move there. And sometimes it doesn't always work out that way. Sometimes when people lobby the other tribe or the other alliance to try and make a deal, it kind of turns on them and they get voted out either at the upcoming tribal council or like the next one. And Rob ultimately got third. So he did well at the seven, seven left mark. So that's what makes this show great. You have to determine whether you will remain, you know, honorable and loyal to your alliance or you have to make tough decisions like Rob did uh that will ultimately improve your chances now aside from the ugly stuff that happens in the show there are bright points one of them are the you know creative and unique challenges that the survivors must face they're not all physical as you might think like obstacle courses and swimming challenges and stuff like that it's actually mostly mental challenges uh, when it comes down to it You'll see anything from a tricky puzzle to a survival quiz to a you know a balancing challenge. One of my favorite challenges was in season 20, Heroes vs. Villains. Um, each remaining survivor had their own little station where they stood under a horizontal apparatus where they were to use the back of their hands to balance a two foot long wooden block against the apparatus above. So like your hands are out kind of Egyptian style and you're holding this block with the back of your hands and as time passes your hands get tired and sweaty and You're una- unable to continue holding the blocks up in the last survivor standing was the one who won immunity and A, a female actually won that one which was very impressive And I, I just couldn't imagine the pain in their forearms after that one because it lasted I think over an hour that challenge So that was a tough one so another aspect of the game is the hidden immunity idol. They implemented this idol starting season 11. And though I've only seen two seasons that included the uh, the idol. Um, two seasons. I, I kind of get the hint of what like happens with the idol so it creates a lot of chaos as kind of the whole tribe frantically searches for the hidden immunity idol because at the beginning they're given a riddle or something in their what they call their tree mail Um, they give them kind of a riddle to where the hidden immunity idol is hidden within the camp so everybody's frantically searching for it Um, the survivor that comes up with it usually and usually finds it and they don't hide them in Easy places to find. You have to like dig sometimes for where the the idol is. So um, usually when when the survivor comes up with it, they usually slip it in their pocket, and you know they won't tell anybody, or and then they'll try and sneak away and act like they gave up looking for it, and then they'll tell their people in their alliance that they have it, and then they'll come up with a plan. So it causes a lot of chaos, a lot of drama. So. Like I said, I've only seen two seasons of it, so I don't know all of kind of the manipulation tactics people use in regards to the Hidden Muni Idol, but I understand kind of the twist that it added to the game in Season 11. So, and it seems like the seasons before that didn't have the Hidden Muni Idol, it seemed like Honor and Integrity was kind of valued more in swaying the jury to vote for you in the end. But as the Hidden, hidden Muni Idol has more you know power and it kind of takes over the game at times you kind of notice that all of that goes out the window <laughs> it's all about who is the less crappy person in the end who lied the least and who was probably the best in challenges that usually wins the million um so i i've only watched seasons 1 through 6 so i'm not quite there yet but i definitely want to do an update and Talk about the different toxic tactics of it because it really is a huge part of the game. Uh, but let's let's move on. You you may be asking yourself while I'm talking about this, well, who tells these people to do stuff? How do they know what to do? Where where do they know where to go? Well, let's stop paying, pounding your dashboard and in, in your car. And I have the answer. It's it's the the great Jeff Probst jeff is my absolutely absolute favorite part of the game and he's by far my favorite host of any show ever um he's honestly the reason why i got hooked on to the show other than the challenges and he, he so he's he's basically the game master slash host whatever you want to call him he lays down the rules for challenges he tells tribes when and where they need to be he also leads tribal council where he asks the tribes um, open-ended questions about what's happening around camp, and ultimately reads the votes for who is going home. He's smart. He's hot. He's knowledgeable. He's a great leader, and he's the, he's the glue that holds the show together. And then I so saying all this doesn't really I think do any of it justice. So I have another bit of audio for you of Jeff Probst doing his thing in his element. Now this is from. Season five, it's a tribe versus tribe challenge, so it's early on in the season. Um, The challenge is on the water. There's a tricky kind of obstacle course thing, they have to, each tribe has to run through, built with bamboo sticks, so there's there's a bit of a balancing aspect to it. One tribe member at a time, they run to the end of the obstacle course, grabbing a basket from the opposing team's boat, and try to return it to their own boat at the start. So once they grab the basket, the next member can go. The catch to the game, there's an intersection in the middle of the course where there's a black labeled area called the attack zone. So if a a tribe member is in in the attack zone, they're allowed to battle with the opposing tribe member physically to try to knock them into the water, therefore losing the basket. And if you're outside of the attack zone, and you initiate contact, you are eliminated from the entire game itself. And that's what happened in this tribe, is one of the tribes seemed to be quite uneducated. Their tribe was named Sukjai, so they lost about four members during the, the middle of this, at just attacking the other team, so they lost their baskets when they, when they tried to do that attack. So they lost points, and ultimately the other tribe, Chewiegon, won because they just stole all of their baskets because they kept getting eliminated from the game. And Jeff got really irritated with this. So here's that audio.
1: Seven, four. Man from New York. <laughs> First one to ten wins. You like you
0: stole life. There's two guys attacking in there right now. One That's eight four that. That's Jeff.
1: Ken, you were not in the attack zone when you first made contact. You're out of the game. One of Soup Jai's baskets goes to chewygon gon 7, chewygon 5. Don't get too cute in that attack zone, guys. No, no, no! No! Rob, you were not in the attack zone when you grabbed Clay around the throat. You're out of the game. <laughs> Another basket from Soup goes to chewygon. gon so great. Four is tied now, six six. What a little wild, baby. Soup Jai, you're self-destructing. Let's go. First one to ten wins. Careful, Ted. Right. Ryan. Stephanie, what are you doing? You were in the water. You're close to the attack zone. Another penalty. Chewing God is now ahead. Seven. Soup Jai, five. Stephanie, out of the game. Eight chewing on. Five, suit giant. Right in the groove, remind him. Just grab a hold of him. Jump on his back and hold on. to Grab his shirt. Chia, back to the start. Behind him! Behind the
0: head! Watch out, B, watch out me! Oh, another one. Jeff's <laughs> getting, getting really mad Jeff's getting pissed Jai. So Jeff got pretty irritated because the other team was quite undisciplined and um, he he gives just the show such an attractive vibe. There's so much more audio I can play for you, but I was looking on YouTube and they had some kind of montages of him and some of them showed later seasons that I haven't seen yet. So unfortunately I was unable to play those for you, but he's great. He, he asked, Great open-ended questions at you know Tribal Council, and he does the play-by-play commentary, as you heard during the challenges, which gives the viewer a lot better idea of what's going on uh, during the challenges, and he occasionally, like I said, drops some sass on the survivors. He's known as the, the king of sass in the survivor community, what I've noticed. So catch me you know, this Halloween dressed up as Jeff Prost. <laughs> if, if there is one reason I could implore you to watch survivor it is for the man the host with the most is jeff prostest it's, it's jeff prost so i've covered you know mostly everything I, I could on the on the show which probably doesn't do it any justice because there's so much more to it but there is one last question you want to ask how do you think you fare on survivor Well, this question really does make you think and forces you to be honest with yourself because the only thing that matters in this show, in the game is one, how you carry yourself and two, how others perceive you to keep you around longer in the tribe. So in my honest opinion, being honest with myself, I think I'd be okay at Survivor. I have a decent amount of survival skills. I was a Boy Scout growing up, you know, which I think could buy me at least nine days, we'll say. So three tribal councils, I think I could survive. Um, I'd be solid at the physical challenges and some mental challenges, but I don't think I'd stand out all that much in the challenges overall. So I think that could buy me some time as well because the tribe members wouldn't really see me as a huge threat. So let's say that buys me six more days. (sighs) So that's 15 days, that's 11. So the thing that would really get to me is the paranoia of how others perceive me and whether I can make sound decisions to improve my game and just to be aware of what's going on around me. So being low on food is a huge part of the game because your mental state is debilitated. But then again, everyone is low on calories. So everyone's kind of just trying to be smartest out of a bunch of dumb people. <laughs> so I, I, another thing is I, I do believe I get along well with others, especially strangers, because I don't like confrontation. I don't like any of any tension, I try to be a peacemaker, and I know the parameters of how the game works, so I would do my best to be as peaceful as I could with my tribe mates to further my game. Um, So in my honest opinion on how I could finish on Survivor, I don't think I could win, I really don't. I think that I'd get get blindsided, or it would be because I couldn't make a sound decision, or maybe I'm a physical threat. I think that I could place Seventh to tenth place realistically my goal would be To get on the jury so I can know what's going on during um, The merge and kind of just what goes on during uh, those final few challenges so I can Put the two final survivors on the hot seat so I can place my vote to vote for whoever gets the million dollars Opposed to who gets the hundred thousand they call it a nine hundred thousand dollar decision, which is huge Um So, that about does it for me here. I hope you enjoyed my analysis of probably my favorite show of all time, Survivor. One of the reasons I love the show is to see how the Survivors gain perspective on life while they're out there. We act as if we are so spoiled to live here in the States. We have the opportunity to get in our cars and go to the grocery store sleep in a bed with air conditioning, and surround ourselves with people we love that won't turn their backs on us. There are so many little things in life we take for granted. After getting into the show, I've done, I've done my best to appreciate everything I have easy access to, such as food, family, showers, you know, your phone, uh, hand soap, dish soap, just anything you can think of just chairs, beds, pillows, everything's small. Every, every time we have a meal at night, I do always say thank you to the animal that is giving us this meat because we don't have to be eating this. And someone provided it for us so easily, we just got in our car and went to the grocery store and picked up this meat. It's not like that when you're out there in Survivor, you really have to work for it. So I think that's something we really need to take in perspective is that we have a really easy here. So if there's anything to take away from this episode other than trying to trying out the show yourself and watching it, ask yourself how you do on the show and give a little time each day to appreciate just how awesome our lives truly are. So that will do it for me today. Enjoy your days, everyone. I'm out.